0: this week get back into our study of Galatians. And um, for those of you that are visiting for this last year, we've been studying the book of Galatians, which is an amazing uh, Paul's theology on Christian freedom, what it means to be free in Christ, what that looks like, and how we can enjoy that as His people. And so I'm going to carry on um, this morning looking at chapter 4, and we're going to look at what it means to be adopted as sons. Sons and daughters of the Most High God, all right? And just to refresh your memories, because I know it's been a while, remember, Paul is uh, in Antioch, in um, the area of Galatia. The church has been doing really, really well, and what's happened is that the church has grown very fast in Antioch, and it's grown with Gentiles. It's, uh, wherever they, in the early church, they normally would go to the synagogues to preach first, to the Jews, and what Paul started to do was he went into Gentile cities and he started preaching to the Gentiles. And so, in Antioch, if you read in the Book of Acts, Acts thirteen, a whole bunch of un, of, of non-Jews had got saved, and this was very exciting. The church was thriving with people being saved. They weren't from the Jewish faith, and then some guys come from James. James was based in Jerusalem, and some of these really sort of super spiritual legalistic types come into the church in Antioch. And they start saying to the people, well, Paul hasn't really told you properly, you know, really to to be a Christian you need to be a Jew first. And so you must do this, you must act like this, you must be circumcised, you must only eat this food. And so Paul writes this letter back to... um, to the church, and he establishes straight up front that we are saved by grace through faith. He reminds them of the gospel. He says, your culture's got nothing to do with it. What you eat's got nothing to do with it. What saves you, what pleases you, God, what makes us right with God, is that we believe by faith in Jesus. And he uses a number of things to illustrate his point. And the thing that we've been looking at recently is he, he chooses Abraham as the as the picture of what it means to be saved. And he says... Abraham believed God before Jesus came and he believed in the promise and the promise was the seed that he had been promised and the seed was Jesus and because he believed in the seed of the the promises of God he was saved, Genesis 15 and he began to walk by faith and so Paul reminds the church, he says that's how we are saved it's got nothing to do with being Jewish or being culturally anything we are saved by faith And then he has to clarify it, because then he talks about the law, and he says, well, now, what has the law got to do with things? Why did the law come through Moses and complicate stuff? And he reminds the people that the law was temporary, that it was imperfect, that it was only put in place for a time until Jesus came. And then the last time uh, I, I preached out of this portion, we looked directly at the promises that were given to Abraham, and you know the promise that was given to Abraham, that through him the people of God would become a great multitude, they would become as many as the sand on the seashore. And the, the promise to Abraham was that he'd be given a physical land, that he would be personally blessed, and that all the nations of the world, world would be blessed through his seed. And we looked at that, that the seed was the promise, the promise of Jesus that was to come. Through Jesus, all nations of the earth would be blessed. And um, I love what Tim Keller says. Tim Keller says that to fully appreciate these amazing promises that God has promised us through Abraham, it takes a lifetime to understand, but we've got a whole of of eternity to enjoy it. And I love that because we sometimes feel under pressure that we need to understand everything and and have perfect understanding. But our, our theology grows as we walk with God and he reveals more and more. Uh, of His grace to us. And so, I'm just going to take some time this morning to have a look at the first seven verses of chapter 4 to really try and understand and take us on a journey to understand what it means to be a son of God. You know, we keep saying, we say by faith, grace through faith. What does that really mean? Part of that is that we are adopted as sons. And we want to have a look today at what that means. And it really is an amazing, amazing gift that God gives us, to be called His sons and His daughters. All right, so let's have a look at chapter 4, the first seven verses. Paul says, I mean that an heir, as long as he's a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. He is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. we'll look at what that means. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those that were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into your heart, crying, Abba! So you're no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. Father, I want to thank you for your amazing words, and I want to thank you, Lord, that you bring life to us, every one of us, that we would understand more and more fully what it means to be your sons and daughters, that we would enjoy the incredible incredible blessing of that and privilege of that in our lives, that you'd set us free on the inside, from any kind of slavery. There will be no, in no way slaves, but in every way, your sons and daughters. And I pray, Lord, that we would begin as a community just to enjoy incredible freedom as we understand what your word says to us. And I pray you would help me to communicate well. In Jesus' name, amen. So here Paul is using a very simple picture, and the simple picture is this. He says... God's people, before the Holy Spirit was poured out, were like young children. And after God's, uh, God's Spirit has been poured out upon us, we are now like full adult sons who have an inheritance. And he uses this very si- simple picture to, um, to illustrate to the Galatians and, and to us what it means to be sons of God. And so, why does he do that? The question is, why does he use this illustration uh, and he says in the first couple of verses, when a child is a minor, he's no different from a slave, since he has guardians and managers that uh, look after him until he comes of age. And um, it's interesting that in, in the, uh, the ancient world, this process of coming of age was set and defined. And a Roman child that had an inheritance who was a minor was under, the, uh, under guardians until the age of 14, and still to some degree under trustees or managers until the age of 25. And when they reached the age of 25, they received the full inheritance of the estate that had been promised to them. So why does Paul use this illustration? Well, I've got three reasons for you. First, because believers had a low level of assurance of their salvation. That's what he's saying. Before the Holy Spirit was poured out, Time was, for, for believers, was, was not as joyful as we enjoy today. That's what he says. He says, as long as we were children, we were no different from uh, slave, although we were the owners of everything. So he's saying, before the Holy Spirit was poured out, under the Mosaic Covenant, um, God's people were like small children, still waiting for their in- full inheritance, still anticipating the wonderful thing that God had promised them, but not fully receiving it. That's how they were. And so there was this kind of low level of assurance in their lives. They knew something was coming, but they still didn't enjoy the fullness of what God had promised them. After the Holy Spirit is poured out, they are now full adult sons, enjoying the full inheritance that God has for them. And then Paul, as we've seen, he explains that they were under a tough discipline. So not only was this sense of they they weren't enjoying the fullness of what God had for them, but they were under the tough discipline of the law, all of God's people. There were hundreds of regulations that applied in all different areas of their lives. And whether the Jews believed in the promises of Abraham or not, the whole nation was under the Mosaic Covenant. And the Mosaic Covenant was a hard taskmaster. And we've looked at that and so Jews could not be friends with non-Jews there were many heavy threats against any kind of discipline including being killed for, so, for certain things and so there was thirdly there wasn't a closeness to God under the old uh, I, I always remember reading uh, Corrie ten Boom's story when she's um, on a train do you remember the story of Corrie ten Boom? she's on a train and um, her father, she loves her dad she's a little girl and um, she wants to understand something about a particular situation that's happening. And her dad says to her, "Can you, Corrie, can you pick up this suitcase? And so she tries to pick up the suitcase. And he says, no, 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 it's too, it's too heavy. I, I, she says, I, I can't pick it up. It's too heavy for me. Dad, will you carry the suitcase? And he says, he says these amazing words to her. He says, in the same way, there's some things that are too heavy for you that I can't give you to carry. I need to carry them at the moment. Isn't that beautiful? picture of a father protecting his child and saying, actually, no, at the, this time, because of your age, this is too heavy for you to carry. I will carry it. And you see, in a sense, that's how God was with His people. He didn't give them the full picture. They didn't yet have the full picture. There was, there, and even Jesus said in His ministry, remember Jesus said in John 16, I have many things to say to you, but I cannot, you cannot yet bear them. That's Jesus says. He says, I want to tell you a whole of stuff, but you, you can't yet fully understand it. And then He says, but when the Holy Spirit is poured out, He will lead you into all truth. Isn't that beautiful? So even Jesus said, I can't give you the whole picture now, but when the Holy Spirit comes and you understand why I've come, why I've lived the way I did and why I died for you, as the Holy Spirit is poured out, you will see the fullness of everything and, God, and He will reveal it to you by the power of the Spirit. And so... First, there was this destiny for maturity that the people were not fully enjoying. Second, there was the sense of them being under the tough discipline of the law. Third, there was not much closeness to God, as I've, I've said. And fourth, the people had what Paul called a spirit of bondage. He said all of them were under the spirit of bondage. The whole nation of Israel was under the spirit of bondage. And what he meant by that is that they feared God in a wrong way. Remember... They, they really did live in terror for most of their lives. <laughs> because of the law, they lived in terror that they were going to be punished. And even when Moses was receiving the law in Exodus 19, when the law was being given, remember they couldn't even go close to the mountain for fear of being struck down. So they worshipped God from afar. They didn't enjoy what we did today. We could simply worship God and draw close to Him in our hearts. They didn't have that under the old covenant Law and not even the elders could go close, and so you know Moses was the one that met face to face with God. He was the intermediary, intermediary between God and the people. Moses was, and it says in uh, verse three. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. This is what I I believe it means. I take it to mean the natural legalistic way that we all try to relate to God. A legalistic way that we all try to relate to God. And in in this sense, we are all under the law, (coughs) whether we believe the Bible or, or, or not, or whether we've heard who Moses was or not. Why do I say that? Because quite simply... All of us try to desperately live up to some kind of standard in our lives, even if it's our own standard. <laughs> and in that sense, we are under the law. We try very hard to please God by doing the right thing. And so we become anxious when we, and we become burdened when we feel like we're not living up to our, even if it's our own system of expectations. When we do, fail to meet that ourselves, we become anxious, we become burdened. And our relationship with God becomes increasingly distant... And we feel like we can't can't connect with Him. And Paul says that even the law of Moses that was given by God, even the law of Moses encouraged that kind of thinking in people. And that Jesus came to deliver us from that kind of mentality forever. Forever. And so... This kind of picture of uh, the inheritance that I'm trying to paint for you, in, this, in, a, in a real sense, it can apply on this kind of level for all of us, that we can fail to experience, to some degree, the great freedom and joy that we have in our salvation, and we can continue to live, day by day, as slaves, when we really are sons. And there's something in our head and in our hearts that has to be softened by the Holy Spirit to fully understand what that means. And I trust that something of that will happen this morning, that we will all understand a little bit more of what it means to be adopted as God's sons and daughters. So the truth is, although we have this incredible richness in the gospel that we are fully adopted as God's sons, with full access to God as our Father, we can go back to relating to Him in our lives through our record of good behavior and our moral kind of sense of we're doing the right thing. We can slip back, that into, in, 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 back into that so easily. It's almost as though God gives us this incredible gift and He says, I give it to you freely, but we give it back to God and then we say, we're going to earn it. This is how we're going to earn it, God. We don't really deserve that incredible gift you've given us, so we're going to earn it by behaving well. And in that sense, we can remain slaves rather than enjoying the fullness of the Holy Spirit's liberty and freedom in our lives. And so Paul then, once he's established that, he goes on in these next couple of verses and he shows how Jesus came to deliver us forever from all of that. And he says, in the fullness of time, when the fullness of time had come... God sent forth His his Son, born of a woman, under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And so, a couple of things, just to notice about this verse. First, the timing was really important. When it was exactly the right time, God sent His Son. He didn't leave it too late, and He didn't do it too early. Exactly the right time, God sent His Son. Second, it involved the coming of God Himself. And so Paul very cleverly defines two things that Jesus was God's son and that he was also fully human that he was born of a woman and so before the coming of Jesus before the Holy Spirit was poured out all of God's people were like little children who only saw things in shadows they kind of had a a glimpse of what was coming but didn't fully understand or move into it and there was very little assurance of salvation in their lives And now because of Jesus, we are able to freely come into God's presence, boldly come into God's presence as His sons and daughters. And uh, it says in the book of Hebrews that we can come with unveiled faces. We don't have to have anything in between us and God that's all taken away and our hearts are open in His presence. It's the incredible privilege that we have. And in a real sense, Jesus came to end the tyranny of the law. The law is tyrannical. I've tried, to, I've tried to explain that to you over the last months. And it's because of Jesus that we come of age, that we come into our full sonship and we can enjoy our full inheritance. And I, one of my heroes, I'm showing my age now, is Charles Spurgeon. You heard of Charles Spurgeon. He preached in London in uh, the late 1800s in the Metropolitan Tabernacle in London. And he, he preached a series of sermons on Galatians 4 talking about this thing of inheritance in 1884. This is what he said when he was trying to explain to the people the difference between the old and the new. The difference of being a child or being fully adopted as God's son. He said this, One day with Jesus is worth a century with Moses. Do you get it? One moment with Jesus is worth centuries with Moses. That's how different it is. It's not the same thing at all. It is a completely new relationship with God that we enjoy because of Jesus. I trust if you remember one thing, you remember that this morning. One moment with Jesus, one day with Jesus is better than centuries of the law. Amen. Pentecostal side coming up. And so what, what, what Spurgeon is trying to say in that is that the Holy Spirit shows us just how much Jesus' blood does for us, just how much Jesus atones for our sins. The Holy Spirit enables us to see just how much God loves us. The law holds you as a slave. The law says, don't do that, don't drink that, Don't dress like that. Do behave like this. If you don't, God is angry with you and He's going to punish you. That's what the law says. Jesus came to set you free from that kind of thinking forever. Always. It's done. It's over. What pleases Him is that you believe in the promise of of God through the, the blood of Jesus. And that automatically sets things right once and for all. And you live free This is the great joy that we have as sons and daughters. And so, let's use. Paul uses a, a market illustration. He uses the illustration of a redeemer. And what a redeemer was, if someone was a slave in the marketplace, someone who had money could come and pay the full price for the slave and redeem his life back, and he was then set free. And so Jesus is the the picture that Paul um, says is that Jesus was like that for us. He was our Redeemer. He paid the full price for our lives so that we could get it back. And he says, by faith, as we believe in Jesus, that's what happens. And the righteousness of Christ covers our lives, and we are saved not by our own works, as he says in Romans by the holy things that we do, by the worship that we offer, by the prayers that we pray. We are saved wholly by God's mercy and wholly by His grace. And our inheritance that we enjoy is a gift which is completely undeserved and is a free gift to us. The inheritance that we enjoy, the fullness of the things that we enjoy. And so... We become of age, we become sons, and we are no longer slaves, we are no longer servants, because why? The great Son of God has come and become a servant in our place. The great Son of God has come and become a slave in our place. He has bought back our lives for us and given it back to us as a free gift. This is the gospel. You don't have to earn anything. When you are saved, you do not even have to... This is how radical the gospel is. Even if you behave very badly after you were saved, you would still be saved. (laughs) You might miss your inheritance. You might miss a great marriage. You might miss some great blessings that God has for you, but you would still be saved. To be saved means you believe by faith in Jesus. I believe this, if, there's an, if there has been an inward transaction in your life, some things will automatically start to change because Jesus is at work inside of you. So there's the reality of that. But even after you saved, your good behavior doesn't please God anymore. <laughs> That's how amazing the gospel is. That's how radical the gospel is. And so, the third thing that Paul says in the last verse I'm going to look at, he says, And because you are sons, God has sent... The Spirit of his son into your heart, crying Abba, so you're no longer a slave but a son, and if a son, then you are an heir through God. And so, in a real sense, Jesus brings us into this complete freedom that we enjoy. And as I've said, this word son is actually a legal term. Let me just explain it one more time. I've read that you have to hear things five times before you actually hear them, so this is the third time I'm saying it, right? In the, in the ancient world, the Greek, Greco-Roman world, a, chi- a childless, wealthy man could uh, take one of his servants and adopt him. What did that mean? It meant the moment of his adoption, the slave ceased to be a slave, and he received the full inheritance of the, um, of the man, the full financial inheritance, the full legal privileges for the estate. So inside the household, he enjoyed those privileges, and he was seen outside of the household as the full heir. All right? So through birth, he had no relationship to the father. He now receives the legal status of a son, a full son. It's a legal term. It means you can't change it once, it's been, once he's been uh, given the inheritance. It doesn't ever change. And so this is the picture that Paul is using to try and illustrate the remarkable truth of the gospel, this amazing metaphor of what Jesus does for us. We receive the full inheritance of, of Jesus as if we were God's only son. That's really what Paul is saying. That's the bottom line of what Paul is saying is that you and I are received the full inheritance of God, just as Jesus received it as his son. And even if you and I were the only people on the face of the planet, we would receive the full inheritance of Jesus as his only sons. This is radical. And it's a vital thing to understand because I I know from leading uh, in the church for many years that many people understand that they are saved by grace through faith. And they understand by that that God takes all of their sin and He deals with it. They understand that portion. And that's wonderful we understand that portion. But to fully understand what it means to be saved by grace through faith, there's another side of the coin. And the other side of the coin, which is equally equally important for you and for me, is that what Jesus does for us is that He also gives us the blessings that He deserved. He takes the sin... Our sin that we deserved and the punishment, he takes that upon himself. And at the same time, he gives us every blessing that was due to him. We get that freely as a gift. That is, that's also what, what it means to be saved by grace through faith. Not only that our sin is dealt with, but that we enjoy this incredible inheritance that God has for us that was due for Jesus, now becomes ours. Come on, that is... That is brilliant news. Everything that God had for Jesus is now due for you and for me because we believe in the promise of God. I, um, I told you last week that I, there's some movies that I find very hard to watch. Well, there's another movie that I found very hard to watch. It was called Dead Man Walking. Did you ever see that movie? It's Susan Sarandon and... Uh, her husband, I forget his name, he's also an actor. Anyway. But the movie is about people that are waiting on death row. They're waiting to be electrocuted. So it's set in, in uh, Texas or somewhere in the south of, uh, of America. And there's this phrase that they use, dead man walking. So basically, as the guy's going to the, the, the electric chair, they all say, dead man walking. He's dead. He's, he's, he's destined for death row. He's destined for the electric chair. This is what Paul is saying. He's saying that you and I were on death row. You and I were destined for the electric chair. And actually what Jesus has done is substituted himself and taken upon himself our punishment, which was death. And, he's, and, and that's an incredible gift, isn't it? But it's not only that. At the same time, everything that was the blessing of God for Jesus is given to us f- as a free gift. As our inheritance. Man, that is good news. The pardon of Jesus takes us off death row. We were all dead men walking. We are no longer dead men walking. We are now alive because of the blood of Jesus. We have been freed. But Jesus doesn't leave us after he's freed us and say, get on with your life now and be a good boy and earn your salvation again. I'm saying it in many different ways to try and help us to understand. He doesn't do that. He says, no, you are free. And it's like, this is what the picture is, it's like we're not only freed from death row, but as we come off death row, Jesus puts a Victoria cross around your neck and he welcomes you into the kingdom like a hero, as if you had done some extraordinary thing, some amazing thing that needs to be, needs to be um, recognized. And even that is a gift to you. I don't know how else to say it, but it is absolutely wonderful. The gospel of Jesus is incredible. It is too good to be true. That's why so many people don't want to believe it. It's too easy. I do nothing, and I get everything. Yes, you do nothing, and you get everything. And religion says you do everything, and if you don't do everything, you get nothing. If you break the law in any way, you get nothing. Zip. That's it. The the gospel is exactly the opposite to what religion is. And so, the last thing I want to say to you is that we do need to remember that all the time. Because why, if we don't remember that, when and if we sin, we can become anxious and we can fall back into this cycle in our lives of saying that we really need to earn our inheritance. No, even our inheritance is a free gift. And even when you, ba- you, you miss something in your life and you make a mistake, God still has His inheritance for you. That's how generous He is. So you might say to me this morning, Oh, well, and that's all very good, but um, I don't feel like a son. I don't feel like I experience sonship. Um, I don't really know that. What well, I want to say to you this morning that by the power of the Spirit, God wants to do that in your life? Because I'm not just talking about a legal contract, that something remains a legal term, that we understand in a legal way. Because what Paul says, lastly, in this portion, he says that we can actually experience this in our lives in a real way, and how that happens is through the power of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) That's why I find it so hard to to get my head around Christians who say the Holy Spirit was only for the early church. How do you live as a Christian without the Holy Spirit? He does everything. How can we possibly exist without the power of the Holy Spirit? Well, this is what I mean. The Holy Spirit does something in our heart that the Old Testament saints knew very little about. We enjoyed wonderful worship this morning. They couldn't do that. The love of God, I'm just going to give you some scripture. The love of God says that, um, the scripture says that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the great part of our inheritance. We are at ease in His presence. You don't have to behave in a kind of like funny super spiritual way when you come into churches. You don't have to be quiet. You don't have to dress a particular way. You don't have to be all kind of reverential when you are in God's house. God's house is a place of ease, it's a place of freedom, it's a place of passion, it's a a relaxed place where we enjoy God as our Father, our Dad. That's what Paul says. The Holy Spirit leads us to cry in our hearts, Abba. Abba means Dad, means Pops, it means Papa it means you can, it's a baby talk word i don't know i mean there's this thing in the in the church right now where people are calling god papa and daddy i mean that's cool if you want to do that that's fine if that helps you to understand that god completely accepts you as his child if you need to use that language that's fine for me it's i don't get it but anyway what Paul is trying to get us to understand is that you can come into God's presence just like a little child. That there's no fear, but I don't know that he wants us to walk around talking baby language. I'm not sure that's what it means to be a full adult son. <laughs> okay, but there is the sense of God wants you to know that you can come to him like to your pops, like to your dad, and just say, Dad, I'm really struggling right now. Will you help me? And He's a good Father, and He's going to help you. He's not distant, He's not far off. That's what Paul is trying to say. So there's a sense we never doubt that the Father's arms are wide to us. And then Paul says, he says, the Holy Spirit leads us in our prayer. So, because the, the, the Old Testament believers never experienced the freedom and joy in prayer that we can experience. There's no formality in prayer. There's spontaneity in prayer by the power of the Holy Spirit. there's no longer just mechanical prayed prayers. Our prayers should be filled with passion, with warmth, with love, because we know our dad. And he knows us and he loves us. And then lastly, I close with this. There's no doubt in our minds that once we are saved, we are saved forever. Isn't that a beautiful thing? The Old Testament believers never had that assurance. They never quite knew if they were cutting it. They never quite knew if they'd broken some rule. And God was going to say, you're not in my heaven anymore. Sorry, you made a mistake. You're out. No, because of Jesus, our assurance of eternity is forever assured. You can die tonight knowing that you're going to heaven to be with God because you believe in Jesus. That's it. That's how simple it is. And so we can really walk with our heads held high as his sons and daughters. And I don't mean in an arrogant way, because that, uh, I, I that also I find that a little bit disturbing that kind of Christians get this thing of, we sons of God, and we can just, yeah we're like, yeah, we the guys, you know, blessing for us, blessing for us, we're the sons of God. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about that kind of arrogance. I'm talking about a humility at the same time that recognizes all of this is a gift to us unmerited because of God's kindness in our lives. And so, I'm saying, let's not act as slaves. Let's live joyfully. Let's live free. Let's know that we are adopted. That God has never cancelled eternity for any of His sons or daughters. Never. He's not done it once. He's not going to start with you. He's not going to do it for me. Once you're in Christ, you are in Christ. Christ. And so there's no such thing as eternal life dying out. Uh, Those of us that have been justified by Jesus' blood and born of the Holy Spirit, there's a life within us that will never, never end. And we can walk freely through this life knowing that that is true. And neither time, eternity, or death can ever destroy it. That's the rich inheritance that we have as the sons and daughters of God. And so... Two things that we can do to more fully expand sonship. And I close with this. First, that's why I want to encourage you to read the Word of God for yourself. To listen to the Word of God wherever you can. Why? Because the more we read the Word of God, the more we, the Word washes us, the more we are transformed from the inside, the more and more the Holy Spirit can make the work of Jesus real to us in our lives so that we can experience it for ourselves. Alright? Why do you think Paul says, I pray in tongues more than any of you? Do you think he was boasting when he said that? No, he wasn't boasting when he said that. He was saying that because he knew for himself because he was, he was so convinced of what God had freed him from under the old into the new. He was, he was so convinced of that, that he knew that he had to cry out to God at every moment of every day in every way that he could to more and more fully understand that he was the son of God. That uh, he was the son of God. That's why Paul did it. Why did I say that? Well, the Scripture says the Holy Spirit, even inside of us, intercedes with groans when we don't even know what to say. The Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf and prays the perfect thing that we need. That's why I want to encourage you. Read all you can, understand all you can, listen to all you can so that the work of Christ can be made more fully... Away on the inside of you, and secondly, cry out to your Father every moment of every day, every opportunity that you have, so that through that we more and more fully understand His love for us. And I, I, I do live like that. Often, I just say, "Jesus, please help me. I'm struggling." Jesus, I don't understand. Why did that happen? I'm your son. Why did that happen? I know I'm your son. I, I expense it, but but why? help me understand. And He does. <laughs> and there's a greater level of assurance that grows on the inside of us as we simply cry out to Him as our Father. In that sense, Dad, help me right now. Please help me to see what you're doing. That's good news, eh? You are fully sons, adopted the sons of the Most High God, and He wants to flood your life with that assurance as you walk with Him. That's what Paul's trying to say in those three verses, that it become more and more true of you and I as we walk with the Lord Jesus. Amen.